Today on CityCast DC. Adams Morgan Plaza is not a very beautiful space by any means, but some neighborhood activists are determined to preserve it. Martin Ostermuley tells me about the fight to save the corner from the developers who want to transform it. It's Monday, September 12th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. So the battle for Admo Plaza is being heard right now in the D.C. courts. What is that case and where is it right now? So that is a case involving, like you said, the plaza in, in the, the heart of Adams Morgan at the corner of 18th and Columbia Road. It's been a plaza for quite a while, for since the 1970s or so. And basically, in about 2016, the bank that owned the plaza wanted to sell it to a developer. Developer wanted to build a five-story condo building there. And that prompted some pretty fierce pushback from folks in the neighborhood, and it resulted in this legal battle that is now being heard in the courts. And the fundamental issue at stake is whether the plaza can ever be used for development at all. So for folks who might not be familiar, what does the plaza look like? I wouldn't say it's all that inspiring. I mean, we're not talking St. Peter's Square or like Times Square. It's not the sort of thing that people come from around the world to hang out at. It's a 4,000 square foot space of which a good chunk of the land is actually occupied by a two-story brick bank building that hasn't been in use for years, but it was it was built you know back in the 70s. And then the rest of it is this kind of like triangular sh- concrete space in front of it, which is the plaza itself. So banks have owned that entire site for a very long time, but basically, you know, now they've decided that they want to use it for they, they want to use it for other uses, in this case housing. It was long the site of a farmer's market in Adams Morgan every weekend, but that was moved a couple years ago to a plaza about a block down. But other than that, it's not exactly the sort of place you rush to with your fr- to meet friends on the weekend. I mean, there's not a lot of shade, so you don't sit there on like a warm Saturday in the middle of summer. I mean, there's a couple places to sit, but there's not like a bunch of benches. There's not a fountain. There's nothing that would otherwise attract people and say, I'm public space, use me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I walk by it almost every day. And so, you know, thinking about the case, can you talk to us about who the people are on either side of this case in the courts right now? I mean, on the one side is very simple. It's the banks who have long owned this. It, it used to be Perpetual Bank, which was the bank that kind of gave this part of the land for use as a plaza. Basically, they did it because they wanted to settle you know, litigation that they were facing regarding discriminatory lending practices back in the 70s. Since then, it kind of passed from bank to bank. It eventually got to SunTrust, and that's where it kind of became SunTrust Plaza. That's what everybody knew it as. SunTrust became Truist. And so now Truist is the bank that owns the land. So that's kind of the, the folks on the one side. On the other side is a kind of coalition of, of Adams Morgan residents and activists, kind of a lot of old timers, folks who've been in the neighborhood for a long time. And to them, this is a, a fight over history. It's a fight over culture and tradition. It's a fight over yeah, the spirit of the neighborhood of what it means to, to be in Adams Morgan and what this kind of otherwise uninspiring piece of land means to Adams Morgan's fabric and its history. There's also some folks kind of in the middle. I think there's some newer residents who see it as an uninspired, unused piece of public property. And in a city that has seen skyrocketing rents and housing prices, they also see it as an opportunity. Look, they say if someone wants to build housing there, that's more people who can suddenly live in Adams Morgan. And that's good for businesses. That's good for people who want to move into the neighborhood but currently can't. It's just good for everybody. It's easy to break things down. It's like there's you have the NIMBYs on one side, the not-in-my-backyard folks who don't want to develop anything. And then you have the YIMBYs, the yes-in-my-backyard, the folks who want to build tons more housing everywhere because they think that's the solution. I don't think this fight over Adams Morgan Plaza is that simple. And I don't think 
think we should break it down as like, you're either one or the other. I mean, you really summarized it well, how this is one of those hotbed issues in DC that really intersect like gentrification, housing, public land, and how it's used. And I know there have been protests in Adams Morgan about reclaiming this specific piece of land. Um, I've read pretty intense opinion pieces and columns about the issue. Why do you think folks are so passionate about this piece of land that you've described as like not incredibly remarkable? I think it's it's fully fitting. It fully fits with Adams Morgan's history and kind of the the spirit of the neighborhood. It's just the sort of place that back in the 60s and 70s, you know, it fought for to get to desegregate schools back in the late 50s. And then after that, it was known to be a very diverse sort of place. And then it kind of became like a funky destination for hippies and activists, lots of leftists. I mean, that was a, the, the nature of the neighborhood. And so then when this plaza was created, that was created in part because folks in the neighborhood fought for the bank that owned the land to actually do something with it to atone for their sins, for the fact that they had been engaging in discriminatory lending practices. And even up through now, I think Adams Morgan does have a bit of a quirky, homegrown sort of personality. It has a lot of bars and restaurants and kind of small businesses up and down 18th Street and Columbia Road. I mean, some are, of course, national chains, but a lot of them are locally owned by folks in the neighborhood. And I think Adams Morgan residents really pride themselves on that. They pride themselves on the fact that the neighborhood is diverse. You walk down the street and you get a good kind of cross sampling of DC in that one neighborhood. So to them that this isn't just a fight over a piece of land, it's a fight over what it means to be Adams Morgan. And since they fought so long to get this piece of land to be what it was, they want to keep fighting to keep it as it is, or at least improve it, but keep it as public space and not let it become luxury housing. Because then to, to lots of folks, that's the ultimate evil, that it becomes luxury housing. And then Adams Morgan gets gentrified like so many other neighborhoods in the city. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is at stake with the future of this plaza? Do you think there's a fear that Adams Morgan could be the next Navy Yard or the next wharf, you know, the next place that's just like truly really developed within an inch of its life? Oh, absolutely. I think people really see it that way. I think they see a new condo building gets built up. And the next thing you know is that every local bar and restaurant that you love down 18th Street turns into like a Sweet Green or turns into another <laughs> Starbucks. I mean, not to knock Sweet Green, but like that sort of thing that you get a pot belly, you get those sorts of chains coming in, and it's no longer the sort of neighborhood that you once knew and loved. The broader issue is that Adams Morgan has been getting has been expensive for a while. I mean, I got to DC 20 years ago, I couldn't afford to live in Adams Morgan back then. I certainly probably couldn't afford to live in Adams Morgan right now because it's just gotten more expensive because housing prices across the city have gotten more expensive. It's already lost a little bit of its diversity, a little, little of its kind of funkier edge just by virtue of the fact that the city has grown and developed as much as it has over the last decade. So I'm not really sure that one condo building would necessarily kind of tip it over the edge, but that's generally the fear that people have. Now, had this been just an all affordable housing complex, had a developer come along and said, I want to build five stories of, of housing that is affordable just to middle and low income folks, I think the debate may be a little bit different, but that's just not where we are. I mean, this is a bank that owns the land. They want to sell it at top dollar and the developer that, want, that buys it wants to sell those units at top dollar. Let's be real. DC's housing market is pretty famously unaffordable, unattainable, and expensive. So wouldn't more housing potentially help with that? And if so, like, why are folks who I would imagine would probably be on the side of more housing in a city where it's so unaffordable and unattainable, why are folks coming out against that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the argument from the supply side, which is that, listen, we don't have enough housing. We have lots of people who are moving into the district with not enough places to put them all. And all that ends up, that what that results in is that people who have resources can push out the people who don't. I mean, it's a simple reality that if I can't find a place to live, but I have a lot of money, I will eventually find someone who will either sell to me or rent to me and push someone out because I have more money. It's just a sad reality. Now, there's the other flip side argument, which is 
true, you know, just adding more housing alone doesn't make all housing more affordable. I mean, you could look at neighborhoods like the wharf, you could look at neighborhoods like Navy Yard. I mean, these are places that didn't have any housing 10, 15 years ago. They have lots of housing now. But let's be perfectly honest. I mean, this stuff wasn't built for folks making minimum wage. So a lot of people argue that, fine, if you want to add more housing, we could agree to that, but it can't just be luxury housing. It has to be housing that is set aside for folks making low and middle incomes. I mean, teachers, police officers, firefighters on the top end, and on the low end, folks who work at bars and restaurants who are making minimum wage or just above it. So I think the argument, it's a complicated one, but it's one that is going on in DC. It's happened in lots of other cities. I mean, you don't have an, a, an easy way to say that either side is completely right or completely wrong. If you had to say, how many people do you think are actually against developing the land? Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, the group that is arguing against developing Adams Morgan Plaza, I wouldn't say is huge, but they're extremely passionate. And they, they've been in the neighborhood a long time. They know their neighbors well. They kind of, they're very passionate about Adams Morgan and they know, how to, they know how to fight the fight. They knew what arguments to make. They knew how to make them. They knew how to file a lawsuit. They, they were able to get an attorney who lives there in, in the neighborhood to file the attorney on their behalf. You know, they're good at what they do. Is that representative of everybody in Adams Morgan? I don't know. I, I think if you walk up and down 18th Street and you ask some folks if they want the plaza just to be the plaza or to be a, a residential building, I think you'd probably find a good cross-section of folks saying, listen, I, I've never found myself sitting in the plaza with a group of friends on a Saturday night, that could better be used for housing. You might find some people who say, listen, I'm sick of development. I'm sick of these kind of boxy looking glass and steel condo buildings that don't have any personality. I'd rather that not be built. But again, like a lot of these sorts of fights, it's not that it's a fight of you know one big mass of people versus another big mass of people. It's small groups of people waging battles against each other. And in this case, it really is a bunch of locals and Adams Morgan against, you know, banks. And to be perfectly honest, it's easy not to like banks. <laughs> That's for sure. I think you're so right. It definitely has these very familiar uh, major players, this story. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and these sorts of fights have been fought in other neighborhoods around town. I think this is not the only place that this has happened in DC. But just the fact that, again, that they went from publicly arguing to the media to filing a lawsuit to then like losing a lawsuit, but then filing another one, then appealing the one that they lost. They have taken and used every single avenue that they have to make their case. Now they're also petitioning the DC council to actually just take the land using eminent domain and keep it as public space in perpetuity. We've all met very passionate people along the way, but when you meet a very passionate person who understands how to get what they want, I mean, it's a very different reality and it's a different set of, it's a different sort of fight that you see. And I think this is what Adams Morgan is producing is that they just know how to fight because they've been fighting for so long. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma DC community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the Metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearborattacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. So what have different DC residents been using the area for since Truist came to own the land? At one point, the plaza was basically being used for nothing on a daily basis. I mean, there was no organized events. There was no farmer's market. There was nothing. 
And then more recently, earlier this year, it was actually fenced off by Truist, the bank that owns it, because at that point they were just like, listen, we've kind of gotten, there's no one using it anymore. There had been a small homeless encampment popped up during the pandemic. And they claimed that businesses and kind of some residents had been complaining about safety issues around the plaza. So they said, listen, we're going to fence it off just to be safe. Now the Adams Morgan Plaza folks say they're just doing it because, you know, they're an evil bank and this is what evil banks do. But no, at this point, if you walk by the plaza at the corner of 18th and Columbia, it's literally just a fenced off site with the bank building that's just still that's still there in the background that is remains unused. So it's it's just empty. So if you had to say, when was the last time, in your opinion, this plaza was truly something special or truly great? I don't ever remember going to Adams Morgan Plaza or, or having people say to me, hey, listen, we're going out Saturday night. Let's meet at Adams Morgan Plaza and just like, let's start there. Let's go out somewhere after that. Let's like... You know, it just it was it never served as that sort of organizing place or that sort of frame of reference. It just at least not to me. Look, there are folks in Adams Morgan and people who are fighting to keep the plazas open space that insist that this is a vital part of the community. That to them, it's a place that they met with their friends. We have to take them at their words that this is important to them, and that's worth hearing them out. What do you think a more public plaza could look like? At least in recent years, I think there's been a recognition that you know. Public space is fine and good, but you it, just throwing down some concrete and calling it a plaza doesn't make it doesn't make it the sort of place that you want to go. It doesn't make it the sort of place that you want to meet up with your friends. It doesn't make it the sort of place that you know that events will be organized at and and people will gravitate towards that public space. You have to activate the public space, or you just have to make it attractive. And if it came down to either the plaza proponents winning their case in court, or the city deciding, you know what, we're just going to buy the land and settle the issue, I think they'd have to think through what they could do to make it a better public space. I mean, first of all, I think we all love shade and in the era of increasing climate change in a place as hot as DC, if you don't have trees or you don't have some sort of shade, like, I'm sorry, people will not hang out there. So, you know, shade, water features. I mean, you look at the stuff that they've done at Navy Yard with Yards Park, there's all sorts of water features. There's kind of interactive water features. It just makes it the sort of place that you want to go with your kids. Like families want to be there. So again, this is a smaller piece of space, but there's a lot of things that they could think through to make it much more attractive than it was as the small concrete plaza that it was before. Yeah, I think that shade bit is really important because there are things that make a space inviting. And I think we all respond to what those actually are in our communities. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to imagine what it could actually be like if it was something that was inviting to the public. Yeah. And another good example to me is Franklin Park downtown. It was recently renovated. It was closed for a couple of years. And before, you know, it was a big open space with trees and grass and that sort of stuff. But not that many people hung out there. And now they kind of rebuilt it with this idea of we want more people to stay there. So they opened a cafe, they have a little kid's playground, they have a lot more seating, they have a, a fountain in the middle that is kind of functional. So there there was thought put into why weren't people coming before? And what can we do differently to make people come? And I think Adams Morgan, if it came down to this public plaza remaining a public plaza and being improved, they would have to look at other parts of the city that are doing public space pretty well. You've got competition, like I said before, from Navy Yard, you've got the wharf, you've got just lots of neighborhoods that are looking at how do we attract people? What can we do better with the spaces that we already have that people have loved for a long time, but maybe have not used as much as they should? What do you think is the future for Admo Plaza for businesses and residents? I mean, at this point, it really is wait and see. I mean, the Court of Appeals heard this last appeal in March They should be ruling some point early in the fall. 
And that could well define what's going to happen. If they come out and say, listen, this is not a public space. This is never. This was never a public space that the bank can sell to a developer and a developer can build. I think that'll move ahead pretty quickly. But if there's even the slightest kind of like opening there to the plaza proponents, this will just keep dragging on. I mean, the one comparison is Macmillan Reservoir along North Capitol Street. Uh, it was an old sand filtration plant. The cities wanted to develop it for the longest time to put kind of a mix of buildings there and a supermarket and some open space. And that's been held up for years because it's gone through litigation. The people who are opposed to it, who also are kind of of the same coalition as the Adams Morgan Plaza folks, they've just, they knew how to fight and they fought really well. That fight eventually kind of came to an end earlier this year. And now construction is happening at McMillan Plaza and you don't hear much about it because I think most people were just like, it's been years of fighting. We just want to see something happen. And I wouldn't be surprised with Adams Morgan Plaza that if the court comes out and says, listen, this is not public land, they can build on it. Most people will just be like, well, you know what? We're happy that it's not going to be fenced off. We're happy to see something will happen there. And eventually it'll be a building. And you know what? Like 10 years from now, people will look back and say, the building seems fine to me. (laughs) Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And we appreciate you so much keeping an eye on it. Happy to help out and happy to come on anytime. If there's a court ruling anytime soon, I'll let you guys know. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here, Martin. Absolutely. And before you go, here are some quick news highlights. It's official. D.C. residents will be able to vote in November on eliminating the tipped wage. Now, this is something Washingtonians have repeatedly shown support for, but it's been a bit of a tough fight to get it on the ballot this year. Start reading up on Initiative 82 now so that you're all prepared come November. Or, you know what? Don't even worry about reading. Our episode coming out on Wednesday will tell you everything you need to know. Meanwhile, the Metro is rolling out more 7,000 series trains for a total of 20 up from 8. Okay, so it's not great, but it's better than nothing. And they say that this will increase train frequency. And Metro is expected to announce new schedules next week for all rail lines. And lastly, we're working on a really cool project right now all about Washingtonians helping each other out. We want to hear your stories about the small acts of kindness that can really make your day. Like your barista giving you a free coffee because you've had a rough go of it. Or your neighbor helping you carry your groceries into your door. Leave us a voicemail at 202-642-2654 with your name and a story, and we might be able to throw a little something in the direction of your Good Samaritan. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show but haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit that follow button right now. And while you're at it, check out our newsletter. You can sign up at dc.citycast.fm. And tomorrow's episode features a DC legend. You will not want to miss it. So I'll talk to you then.